Hey, it's Arrow on the iHeartRadio channel, iHeartCooking. Grand Central Life and Style is proud to present the best-selling self-published cookbook by Lucy Buffett, Crazy Sister Cooking, updated and repackaged for 2016 in Lulu's Kitchen, a taste of the Gulf Coast good life. It's a fun cookbook. It's vibrant. More importantly, it's the type of recipes that create fun laughter and community. We are unplugged and totally uncut with Lucy Buffett. Hi, Arrow. Nice to talk to you. Nice talking to you. So I'm, I'm, I'm thumbing through your book, and I see that you've got something to do with Montana in there, a Montana picnic. Dude, you're so cute. You know, that is, that's the first time everybody's asked me about that. And my sister will be very happy because sometimes she will email my brother and me and she'll say, tell those people I exist. <laughs> <laughs> my sister lives in Montana. She, I wouldn't say fled the Gulf Coast because she's still got a lot of Gulf Coast girl in her. But she fell in love and moved to Montana, married a friend of actually my brother's, Jimmy, a writer, uh, Thomas McGuane, and she'd been out there for 35 years. And I used to, back in a little bit of my younger day, she would throw a big old party. Um, she said she, both she and her husband were cutting horse champions, and I would, um, I would bring with me gallons of gumbo or <laughs> pounds of seafood and go out to Montana and make gumbo or jambalaya and I'd bring fr- I'd bring like cases of tomatoes and back when you're young you know and you don't think about how much trouble things are you just do them so yes I'm a, I'm a, I have a little bit of Montana in, in me <laughs> see I grew up in Montana so when I when I saw that I'm, I'm sitting there I grew up in Billings <gasps> okay all right um, she lived in outside of Big Timber. I know it very well. You bet. Yeah. We used yeah. to go up into those. That's where the band used to play all the time because we could crank it up and the neighbors wouldn't get upset. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I, it's so gorgeous out there. I'm actually going to go visit her this summer. So now, do you do you do with your with your recipes and stuff? I mean, we've got trout out there. They've got fresh salmon out there. Uh, do you ever play around with the different fish out there when you when you speak of gumbo and jambalaya? Well, you know, what I've done is sometimes is I have substituted, and you can, for any of these recipes, especially any of the, like the pan sautéed or, or, or even the fried, you can certainly use the fresh water, the, the great fresh water ingredients. I'm not as familiar with them, of course, since I didn't grow up out, you know, didn't grow up with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm planted. I've lived on the East Coast and cooked over there in New York. I cooked over in, in some in Los Angeles. And um, and in New Orleans, so I, I but New Orleans, and then I moved back here to the Gulf Coast. It's, you know, it's more it's more my stomping grounds, baby. <laughs> what is it about Southern food that once it gets inside your body, you're warm all over? <laughs> well, you know that is so interesting because I have this theory that well, I have a theory that, that you know whatever the energy is around the food that you cook. When whatever energy you're around, it also goes into the food. It just makes kind of sense. And I think in terms of culturally, food has been such a big, important part of the Southern culture with its own definition. And I think it just freaking tastes good. Excuse me, but it tastes good. It's really tasty. It's it's kind of, you know, homespun. It's, um, it's, I think there's a, just a tradition there, and it does, and it's, you know, it's comfort food, and that's why. I think it's more, we, we are known for 
Singapore, very tasty, and it's comfort food. And, and it's one of those things where we have this great relationship with the farmers and the fishermen. There's such a relationship between everybody that's involved. It's not just something that it just showed up there one day. Yeah. And, you know, and that's so coming back, too, you know, that, that relationship from where we get our food to, um, you know, what goes on the plate. It's so interesting that, and I'm a big, I, look, I am a big proponent of that that movement, the slow movement. And yet, yet also make a living in a, in a tourist town with a very large restaurant. And so my commitment was to, and, and to create food that there is volume, but to have the actual best ingredients for that and still put out as, as best we can, you know? Mm-hmm. But, and of course, people, I'm in a tourist area and people are coming to the beach and they want seafood, honey, and they want it fried. So I'm going to have the best fried seafood that, you know, and we, we take a lot of, um, a lot of effort to make sure it's as clean as possible because people are coming here and they're saving up. They've saved up their money to come and they're saving up their calories to come. And then when they come, I tried, I've tried, opened a, a more of a farm to table restaurant and, and it just didn't go, honey, they want what they want. They wanted the Lulu's experience. They want the good food. And you know, gumbo too is one of our signatures uh, that uh, it could be 90 degrees outside Arrow and they want a bowl of gumbo. So I I'm giving people what they want, and I'm giving them the best quality I can. But that's just how I cook anyway. Oh, and when it comes to your gumbo, that with the scent of it in the air, and all of a sudden you're so attracted to it, it's like going up to some southern roses. Yeah, aren't you sweet? Well, you know, when you cook a gumbo, and you cook a gumbo in the... It's like your house is going to smell like the roux. If you've done it, if, <laughs> I think you have to have a roux. I don't think there's a, such a thing as a is a gumbo without a roux. So you're going to be cooking that gu- that roux, which is basically browning browning flour in a type of fat. Um, these days, I do it a little more healthy than the bacon grease that, you know, remember when we all, when your parents had the bacon grease yeah. on the stove? But you just brown that uh, flour in the fat until it gets really, really dark. And that takes a bit of time, and it takes patience, focus, and a lot of stirring. But your whole, you will smell like roux, your clothes will smell like roux, your house does. But it, like you said, it does have this, you know, it, it, it makes it feel, there's something special about it. You know what I love about your book? I am a huge RVer. And when we go RVing, we're out there with some huge RVs. And, and it's not about hot dogs and hamburgers anymore. And I was walking around the campground this weekend letting those RVers look at this book. They were blown away by it because you're, you're opening up the door for them to do something inside those fancy kitchens. Well, this is the deal. You know, I self-published this book a while back, and I'm re-releasing it um, because I I had let it go out of print. And what we did is, but we had people requesting it, right? And the Gulf Gulf Coast cuisine has got a following, and especially with people who travel. So that doesn't surprise me that the RVers love it. And I tried to make these recipes easy and accessible. Probably the gumbo and the tomato pie. Those are probably... They're not difficult. They're just, they've got lots of ingredients and there are lots of steps. But that's when I say you make a party out of it, right? Yeah, because <laughs> then you put it out there on the campfire and then everybody can come and put something in it. I mean, then it makes it more, it's, it's community is what you're creating here. Oh, I love 
love that because, you know, I really feel like food is the equalizer. Uh, uh, you know, it equalizes uh, uh, people. It, we're all on the same level. It doesn't matter who you are, what you believe, or any of that. I think that it, it transcends any of those differences. And people, all people love food. And there is a movement of, of foodies that love, you know, and, and I, love, I love experiencing food from other cultures. I, yep. mean, I mean, within the States, you know what I mean? Like up, up the East Coast, or I love going, um, I just love food. So I want to experience other, other cultures within the States, their food as well. So when you release a book like this, 120 different recipes, do you feel like that you're pushing your legacy forward? Because at the same time, as the reader, I'm going, my God, she's selling out all of her secrets. <laughs> you know, that has been a question that is, has been um, that has been t- asked of me before, and I have no problem sharing the secrets because, it, first of all, in the long run, it has never hurt my business at Lulu's. And I, I have a, you know, I'm a, I'm a business, I am, I'm a reluctant entrepreneur. I didn't, that wasn't my goal. My goal was to start a little restaurant, support myself while I helped to take care of my family. And, um, and I have never been afraid of competition because I think there's plenty out there. So I feel like it's a gift. And yeah, it is my legacy. You know, it took me a while. You know, I'm, I'm. I'm in my third act, let's put it that way. I like to say I'm a baby boomer, I'm in my third act, and it took me a while to, to kind of get here, and I just feel like my legacy, and for me to realize what my talent was, was cooking. My talent's cooking. So, yeah, I just share it, and it's a way that I have learned to express my creativity. It's a way I, I love my family and, and give love, and so that's... You know, we all have a unique talent. Mine just happened to be cooking. Do you ever look at this book and think, wow, this is like the record album of cooking? Because I I can sit here and read the stories. You share so much in here about what's going on in your life. And at the same time, now that listeners on iHeartRadio can hear your voice, you're building relationship right now. Oh, I hope so. Um, You know, I've been doing that for the last 17 years with my restaurants because, and and more and more people have found it. Um, you know, I wanted to be a I wanted to be a um, a writer before I was a, a cook, but I had children, and when I decided to write this book, I was like, you know, I think I, it was just like it was a dream. It's just to complete something, and I published the first one. I self published. So I was like, okay, I can say anything I want in it. I'm not going to have an editor that says, well, you can't say this. And it started out, even my daughter who was helping me at the time said, Mom, these stories are so long. And I said, well, it's my story. And because I'm publishing it myself, that's what I want to tell. So lo and behold, because as I started it, it, I said, this is not going to be a how-to cookbook. Well, what happened, it has become so many people who love it have learned to cook and refer to... To my cookbook to cook Gulf Coast food, and so, and and then I added the stories because that's just who I am, and I'm all about being authentic. Well, so that you know, that's my that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But it reminds me of the times that when I because we used to go down into Ranchester, Wyoming, to the ranch all the time, and we sat around talking about the food at five six o'clock in the morning, and that's that's what I really love about this is that I had that flashback. Oh man, that's beautiful. Well, yeah, because I think food does connect people, and my personally, and you know, my own personal, um, 
personally, what I need is connection. I'm so much more collaborative, even in my workspace. I need, I, I need, when I go off and write, it has to be alone. There are only some things you can do alone. But in terms of working space and in terms of my social world, I'm collaborative. I love connection. It's really important to me. So that's, that's the greatest compliment, my friend. Thank you. So is it like writing a piece of music, the way that you put food together? Well, I don't know because you know people always ask me about that, and that's not that wasn't my gift, and that's not what I studied. Um, people, I used to I used to sell advertising. I've lived many lives, and I sold advertising. And someone once asked me, they said, "Well, do you sing?" And I said, "Well, if I sang, do you think I would be calling on you?" <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I'll tell you in cooking, it's a step by step process, you know, and then writing. The biggest challenge, the biggest challenge in writing a a recipe is getting it out of your head, right, and getting the proportions correct. Um, so it's te- it's it's um, tedious. It's more technical, probably, than say writing a song, or for me, writing a poem, or writing an essay, or writing part something on my blog. It's 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 technical. You got to get it right, right. So is so it? Is it? Employ kind of your right brain and your left brain. Peter Max used to tell me all the time when he would come to town, he would sit there and say, if you're a painter, you've got to get it out. It doesn't belong to you. Are recipes the same thing? Get it out. It doesn't belong to you? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, I don't believe. I know that there's some... um, I know there's some people that believe that recipes are intellectual property, that kind of thing. But I, I think, like fashion, there is no original. You know, there's no unique recipe. There, everything built. There, there are traditions. There are interpretations. So you know, somebody's remoulade sauce and somebody else's remoulade. So who could say they own the remoulade sauce? So yeah, I think it's out there waiting to express through people who love to cook. Basically, how many people come into Lulu's just to meet you, just to hear that magnetic personality that you've got? Um, and, you know, I'm here a lot. Look, the first five years, I did everything except for bartend. But, like, as I like to say, I, I, I would spend enough time on the other side of the bar to know if something was going wrong. Um, you know, I love people. My, that's my favorite thing. When I got this book deal, and they, I said, look, guys, I love talking to people. I go, I do table visits now because oh. I don't really work a position in the restaurant. And I love meeting people. And I love talking to them, and I love honoring them. You know, they're always like, oh, thanks for taking a moment with us. And I'm like, excuse me, thank you for coming all the way and spending your hard-earned money either on a book or on, um, you know, on, on this food. So I, because of that, I want them to have a really wonderful experience here. And, you know, it's I, it was intentional. We designed this restaurant based a lot on what Jimmy does, as he says, to me, or he has said to me, you know, I, I sell and I live escapism, but he said, I, I also live in a very real world. And people want a break. That's one of the reasons he's really popular, for other reasons. He's obviously enormously talented and a great storyteller and a hard, hard worker. 
But, you know, people need an escape. And yeah. we created this restaurant with palm trees. And I knew I wanted, I was a working girl and a single mom for all lots and lots of years. And when I had opportunities to, like, go to the Bahamas or it would be like, or go to the beach, it was like, man, to, to give you a break. And so that's what we did with the restaurant. We created it so that people could come give a break, um, get, get their break and have fun. And I believe in, and I just respect people's how how hard they work, and and because I was that person, so so um, so then for you, I wanted to give them a nice time and some great food, and and as if because I entertained a lot too, as if they were in my own living room. That's how I that's how I roll, baby. But but it it had to have a first step. What was it? You were sitting in a restaurant one day, and all of a sudden, your tongue and your palate began to separate the flavors, and you thought, I could do this? I mean, where does your passion for food come from? My passion for food comes from the fact that by the time I was a late teenager, I had two little babies. I had to learn to cook. Um, to feed a family, I was 19 years old, and with a, uh, I call him my high school husband, and um, I had to learn to cook. So I got a Junior League cookbook, the Mobile Junior League cookbook, and I started cooking, and I realized I loved it. And that's what, you know, so that, when I look back, I didn't realize it was my dharmic journey <laughs> back then when I was, you know, 20 years old, but I learned to cook and then I learned, and then I wanted to learn more and I wanted to learn more. It was really an organic progression. And then I just cooked and I became a, I was like, I didn't work in the, in the food industry until very, very later in my life. Um, and I was learning to just more and more cuisines and I entertained a lot and I was known I was known for for being a good cook that's how I got into the restaurant business I had moved back to Alabama to help take care of my ailing parents and an old friend who had a had a waterfront dive called me and said do you want to go into the do you want to take over this restaurant my first response was absolutely not it's the hardest business in the world but, you know, I'd had a lot of years of working and administration work. My mama made, made me learn to type and take shorthand so I would know, always get a job, she said. And that really helped me in terms of learning to run a business. You know, I think there are a lot of talented chefs out there, even well-trained chefs, that don't know how to run yep. a business. And, yep. You know, I'm making it up as I go, kind of, but my love of food was from a very young age. But I found a real solace. It's kind of like in my grandmother's kitchen. In the summers, we'd go to her her place in Pascagoula, Mississippi, and she was a boarding house cook. She had grown up in a boarding house, and so when she cooked, baby, <laughs> it was a lot of food. And she was always cooking in her little kitchen, and I, you know, as a kid, I was always in her kitchen. So I think the seeds were planted then, actually. Oyster loaf. I'm so used to oyster soup. O- oyster loaf, that, that's absolutely conversation food. That, that slows you down at the table, doesn't it? <laughs> well, you know, it's really, about, it's really the same probably as an oyster po' boy. But in, where we came from, we couldn't get the fresh, um, the fresh New Orleans French bread. You know, that bread goes, it's the deal by 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So in New Orleans, they have bakeries and they deliver them every single morning. Huge, big brown paper sacks of, of bread. But on the coast, we had to come up with with an alternative. And somehow, it started being called loaf in the area that I'm from, in Mobile. And Mobile and 
um, Pensacola area. And so I just took, um, and there was this one great restaurant called Max's, and that's all you got. You either got a shrimp, you got an oyster, or, you, or I think you got a crab cake, po boy. I mean, uh, loaf. And that was it. That's all they served. So if you were going there, that's what you got. You know, at some point, people started putting them like on hot dog buns, what? too. When we could. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like the old, you know, it's sort of like the... Um, the lobster rolls up east, but uh, it, but if, but look, you could put a you could get a, put a good fried oyster in, on anything, don't you think? I agree with you on that, Lulu. You <laughs> got to come back to iHeartRadio. The door is always open for you to come and be on this show. Oh, awesome, sweetheart! I surely appreciate that. I love me some iHeartRadio, by the way. I'm oh. a, I am a subscriber. <laughs> giving you a little push. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, and thank you so much for sharing your cooking with us because it makes people happy, and that that really means a lot. Thanks, darling. Have a beautiful day. Same to you.